Join author and former Vibe Editor-in-Chief Danielle Smith and Black Girl Songbook as she celebrates and uplifts the talent of Black women in the music industry. Tune in for in-depth discussions with your favorite songwriters, producers, and artists, as well as anecdotes from Danielle. Plus, you'll hear the songs of Black women who changed the landscape of American music forever. Check out Black Girl Songbook exclusively on Spotify. Calling all podcast fans. Spotify makes it easier than ever to discover new shows to love. Get personalized episode recommendations and easily preview them before you dive right in. Find exclusive video episodes from your favorite hosts and guests. And with some, you can even connect with them through polls and Q&A directly within their episodes. It's everything you want in one app. So what are you waiting for? Try the podcast experience today on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts. We're here to talk about the DMX album. We're going to the posthumous DMX album. Yes. Uh, we want to note up top that we have talked about DMX. We have talked about posthumous albums. We have not talked about DMX's posthumous album. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Released by Swiss Beats. Uh, producers with beats who we all know and love. Um, yeah, we got the sense that even though we've talked about DMX, I, you know, we we had an episode out a couple of days before he finally passed away. Um, they, this album is short. This album is short, and this album, I, I'm gonna write about it. <laughs> By the time this podcast episode goes up, uh, you'll be able to read about it on TheRinger.com. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this album. How about you, Mike? I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna level with you here. I probably have less thoughts, but I have a few. Um, you know, mainly that this feels. I mean, like it's it's an album that like really does try to bring some like boom bath New York revivalist energy back, but like an album that was made in the era where like DMX's choker chain has now been co-opted by every high-end fashion brand. Like it's like the 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 yeah. elite's like chain choker is on the front cover of this album is what it feels like. And the album like is is put together as such. It's like it doesn't feel like a victory lap or a sending off or I mean like it actually it correct me if I'm wrong charity like um came together while he was still alive like as a as a means of like a sort of comeback album right yeah and we should say the album is called exodus the first time i i heard about this album i was listening to drink champs right which is nori's rapper nori's podcast and dmx i mean dmx man he was on drink chat champs like within two months like less than two months before he died 
And I just remember this is part of the interview with Nori where DMX starts talking about, yeah, you know, I made a song with Bono. And and Nori and I had to say, like, I as a listener and Nori as the as the host and someone who's known DMX for a long time had the same reaction in that moment of assuming that DMX must have been talking about some other person briefly <laughs> until asked to clarify. Yo, yo, but listen, though, no, like that is a song low-key that makes some of the, the most, most sense on, on this al- album. On this album, yeah. And it's it's weird because I, I felt bad at the moment when I was like, he's not talking about Bono Bono, right? Uh, but like, look, I mean, DMX for one, at his peak, Huge musician, right? Super accomplished dude, DMX. Also, Bono made a song with Kendrick. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that out of this world, but it was one of those things where it has been a long time since DMX had had made a project that felt like it was supposed to be released at, I'll call it, the Bono level of music. And so when I'm listening to Drunk Noriega interview DMX and DMX starts talking about making a song with Bono, you know, I feel like I'm hearing a typo. Um, But that's when I first heard about the album. And yeah, you know, this is, it does have that vibe, right? It feels more like at, it feels more like it was conceived as some sort of mainstream commercial comeback album in a way that the, the sort of late career DMX albums before this that's not how they sound. It's not, um, like it's a, it's a it's a diff it's a like market different from Undisputed, which came out in like 2012. Yeah, can we talk about let's let's sort of spell out the features. So Swiss Beats is the hand sort of steering the ship, right? The, the features the, the are hand important. Steering the 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 hand steered the ship. The the extra dancing all up in the videos. The voice yeah. all up in the margins. Yeah, and I I want to say, you know. As as co-hosts of this podcast, you know, as employees of The Ringer and Spotify, we we dabble in the dark arts of podcasts, and we also get listener emails. We know the people who listen to this podcast. We know you you old millennials. <laughs> <laughs> you you old the injured reserve millennials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We know that... This for all you cardigan-wearing motherfuckers out yeah. there, you know? <laughs> but there's something about how this album is constructed where it's like, on the one hand, it's kind of a comeback, but on the other hand, you know, the locks is back, right? So you got... You, you re- you're reuniting the Rough Riders, but you also got Jay-Z. You got Nas on here. You got Snoop on here. You have Alicia Keys on here. You have Griselda. You have yeah. Usher. You have... It's just you know we we got money bag yo where where pop smoke is was used was supposed to be apparently yeah. yeah and this album can I can we you know I think in general we're good at sort of putting our cards on the table at the top of a discussion right I want to say this album is it's not great it's and I don't say that as any sort of diss I I think it's actually very bittersweet because I think that there's DMX is just a chaotic guy, right? Like he has, he can bring a level of confidence to to records that the records don't. They can be shaggy as hell, and it still kind of work because you miss that DMX energy, right? You know, DMX has that confidence, and he can just bring a sound and a voice to a record 
And you can forgive a lot of messiness. You can forget a lot of messiness about the music itself because that messiness is kind of the essence of a DMX record, right? But mm-hmm. I think the music, right, is so all over the place in a way that I will go ahead and just blame on Swiss Beats. <laughs> um, I think a lot of this album, like DMX is the best part of the album and Swiss Beats is the worst part of the album. And I think, frankly, that's also what I would say about a lot of the later DMX albums in general, right? Is that DMX is the best part of those albums and Swiss Beats is the worst part of those albums. Do you disagree or agree? Why? No, I I mean, like, it is, like, I absolutely agree. What was the song that we were talking about uh, just before we, uh, before we got on? Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, the uh, bath salts featuring Jay-Z and Nas. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I mean, like, is it just, I mean, those words together in a sentence like that is, you know, not, not really something that makes a whole lot of sense. But like, there's just like 33% too much Swiss beats. Like, I would say like across this album, as it tends to be just like, there's just too much like the, like the, uh, what is that annoying the the annoying pitched up sound that's in vassals that kind of like drowns out what would be the rest of the you know what i'm talking about yeah but that's such a swiss beats thing in general right and maybe at swiss beats peak as a producer those ticks in his songs felt more novel and they felt more confident and they they felt more peak right and so the fact that swiss beats songs are always kind of annoying they always have 33% too much going on but one, I think it's different. Like DMX was 50 when he recorded this album, right? And you can hear, it's like heartbreaking. You can hear him flagging all over this record. And so when you partner that with kind of the more grating ticks in Swiss Beats production, right? Uh, it feels a little like it's out of step with where the rapper is at. Is that a good way to put it? I I think I think that that's the yeah. Problem I think in a lot that that is probably, um, you know, if I could say like if I could represent it visually, think about like DMX, uh, slumped on that high leg easy chair during like the verses, you know, while yeah 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 beautiful was playing like and Snoop Dogg was dancing, and he was like sitting in the chair, yeah like, DMX versus you know right belly poking out. Just being like, you know, just washed and old and like, you know, wonderful. And now imagine that like DMX is rapping this album from that chair, but Swiss Beats is like jumping on the table behind him. Like that's kind of like the mismatched energies that you're getting with this album. Yeah. And I'll say the energy that that energy, that sort of bittersweet twilight energy of DMX, and it's more pronounced on some songs than others. Right. So that itself is kind of jarring. There's some songs where it's kind of like classic DMX and there are other songs where you're like, this guy is 50. You know what I mean? And it's surprising because, again, I was mentioning how I was listening to Drink Champs and how that was sort of first time I'd processed the idea of, oh, I'm going to hear a new DMX album. Is that in that interview? That interview is long and that interview is beautiful and it go that interview goes to some weird places. But DMX's energy in that interview is so good, right? So it, so while I was processing the idea of like, this man making songs with Bono? Oh no, we got to hear another Alicia Keys song? 
you know, it's I'm comparing that though to the fact that in the interview with Nori, DMX sounds so good, you know? He sounds like he's been through some stuff in life, but he sounds like he's in a good place. And then you put this album on. First of all, you process his death, right? You process everything that that led up to his death. You process that week when we were all refreshing TMC. And then you process this music. And yeah, man, that, that sense of fatigue is so much more pronounced than like half of these songs. And so that itself feels like kind of, that's like the worst sort of letdown. Because it's not like any sort of artistic failure. It's just sort of like, oh man, like he he was winded in a way where, I don't know, the feeling of listening to this album is like he is giving you the very last gas in his tank is what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I Like it was, the song I texted you about was uh, Hood Blues, like which was honestly the, the way that I first heard it was like on... Uh, shuffled a different playlist I was listening to on Spotify and that was the first song that I'd heard from the album and I was just kind of like oh like Griselda got a posthumous DMX verse for like some one of their new like without looking 12 projects they put out this week Um, but no I mean like it's and a lot of these songs like suffer from like the the issue of momentum because he doesn't go first so when he comes in after I think Benny the Butcher goes like second to last, he's like, I grew up a part time, come out the salt side. Like it's just like he sounds like he's trying to catch up to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. In a in a in a way that is not like fun, you know. Yeah, and the songs do it so consistently, him going last. Or at least not first on his own album, right? Like the first, like the song with the locks, he's the last rapper on the song. Song with Jay and Nas, he's the last rapper on the song. You know, he gets buried so much in his own album. Um, it's funny because, like, part of our apprehension, right, as we mentioned up top, is we've, we've talked about DMX recently on the pod, and we even talked in a different episode about posthumous rap albums. One thing, uh, posh, yeah, posthumous rap albums, right? We talked about that, though, posthumous rap albums, you know, we, I think we're thinking more of people like, we were thinking more of like younger rappers, right? Younger rappers who are, who sort of go out in their prime and meet these tragic ends. And, you know, you're thinking of people like Pop Smoke, right? Where you're trying to sort of, it's a similar situation where somebody's trying to cobble together the last bits of recordings that they want to put out as a commercial release. Um, for somebody who we haven't sort of gotten to like really know yet. Right or fully know yet? Yeah. So well, I mean, like it's for the, the the awkwardness of those albums comes from the fact that they these people are, yeah, they they aren't fully formed as artists yet. They don't have like an of to speak of, you know. Like there's not. Come to think of it, like remember when they used to have that uh like the 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 Twitter app that could tweet pot that would like do fake posthumous tweets for you. Uh, but I mean, the, oh, the tweets were basically only as good as the tens of thousands that you already had, you know, because it, it like it, it basically it, it, it synthesizes the data like an aggregate from all the stuff that you have tweeted. And then like the more that you've tweeted, the more sense your posthumous tweets make once you run them through that. Anyway, like, I mean, it, it's it's the same sort of principle. Like, um, I mean, and then there's also like the like the business side of things where it's just kind of like the entire industry hops on the pop smoke posthumous album because 
and Virgil Abloh designs the cover because yeah. it's just it, it just becomes yeah. one of those like trendy things. Right. And that's but that's one kind of posthumous album. I feel like that was very much what we were talking about in that episode. And here, yeah, mm-hmm. you listen to this album and you're really confronted with the fact that DMX is the second case, which is somebody who we, who we know very well, who a lot of us grew up with and who made it to be 50 making this record. And I think the features in particular are always, whether you're talking about the Griselda stuff, right? Where you sort of, like you said, that that feeling of like, this guy, his voice is so broken and winded. You, you feel this sense like he's being made to play catch up on his own album. Mm-hmm. But even with the people in his cohort, right? Like the, it feels like there's so much contrast. And I feel like almost contrast that I feel is kind of unflattering or like disrespectful, right? Where it's like, that first song, the first song on the album, that's my dog, right? Like that's a song with that's a song with the locks, right? DMX and the locks, like bring it on, right? But yeah, you listen to it, and it, I, I sort of thought a lot about how you know part of how like the locks obviously aren't Drake, right? Like the locks, they're not huge. Like the locks matter to people who care about rap music. Let's be clear, right? They they don't matter in the same way or to the same people to whom like Kanye West matters, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, the thing that made the locks made make sense after the Rough Riders, right? Is like the locks had a sort of range and they had a willingness to frankly get away from Swiss and make songs both as a, as a group and as solo artists that don't sound like Swiss Beats records, right? Yeah. Like, Styles and Jada, you know, in just the in the past decade, right? Like, they've done a lot of different things, and they have, in their sort of pot-bellied age, right? As Jada once put it, like, gangsters <laughs> don't die, they get chubby and move to Miami, right? Um, they've done stuff that's distinguished them, and you you think about that. You think about how the locks kind of grew into their own niche over time, I think specifically because they got away from Puffy and then they got away from like the Rough Rider aesthetics. And in a Mm -hmm. weird way, that's being put up against DMX and on like DMX on his own album, right? And also on a Swiss track. And you're just sort of like, oh yeah, like DMX, it's like Swiss Beats is kind of trying to, he's always been trying to fossilize DMX in a very specific period of Oh yeah, I mean like he's mid, definitely like, early it's like trying to cast it in amber. Like the yeah. the, the early 2000s uh like global hit era of his of of his career. It's just kind of like that worked, let's do more of that forever. Right, but even as you bring on all of these features from artists who very much did not do that. The locks did not do that. That's not that's not how they became beloved in the way that the locks are now. And so it just feels like this annoying contrast when I listen to the song where it's just like, man, I wish DMX had joined the locks and never made a, a song with Swiss Beats after like 2006, honestly. You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah, I mean, like how I feel. For the same reason that the following track with Jay-Z and Nas feels strange. It's just because... It's again, it's like two rappers that took a very different sort of path to prominence, like 
a smarter one, like one that you would kind of like wish that DMX would have taken. Well, I don't know about that because I actually think on Bath Salts, it, it's almost flipped for me where it's like I was I feel better. About, I mean, I think Nas is the best verse on that song, but I think DMX has a much better energy than Jay-Z because Jay-Z, you kind of feel like ashamed of Jay-Z on this song because first of all, he goes first. And second of all, he it's like he's rapping about shopping at Crate and Barrel. Like it's it's one of those Jay-Z verses, right? Where you're just like, what is this guy? What is this fucking, what is he talking about? Like, who cares? Like this guy is rapping about like his interior decorator. Like this is not real problems. Like not who cares really about like this? Gym start- like it's like in order to be believable on the song, you still have to like be able to take or have taken the subway the last decade. Which yeah, I mean, mean, no, 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 no. That 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 one promo video where he rode the the subway to the to the Nets game when he was like a minority owner of the Nets uh, when they had like all the like the Marvel crossover promotion and all this other shit that was going on. I think that was in like 2009. So I I mean, like I I really do think that in the last decade he has not been on the subway. Therefore, you cannot be on a song called Bath Salts. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying is that it feels like the J verse almost feels disrespectful. It's like it's like he recorded that verse thinking it was going to be like spliced into Ezra Klein's podcast. Right. Not a DMX song. Like, get out of here. Like, get out. I felt the same way about Jay on the J Electronica record, by the way. But we don't have to get into that. Um This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered. For your next spring adventure, shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much. Like, uh, there's other nostalgic stuff, right? Like the Alicia Key, like, you know, the, DM- the DMX Alicia Key song, I at least thought had like the skeleton of a, a strong record, right? And Alicia's presence on the chorus isn't too over the top. It feels kind of... You know, the best thing I'll say about it is it at least feels appropriately bittersweet and low key in a way that DMX can carry with that voice at at that age, right? Where so much of the mm-hmm. rest of this record feels kind of like it's being thrown in your face that like, I don't know. So much of the record made me feel frustrated because it's just like, don't 
don't put this man last on his own songs on the last album he will ever get to make. Like, come on, man. Don't make me do the Joe Biden. Come on, man. But yeah, come on, man. Like you would have you would have liked to. I don't know. Have it be a situation where he was working with stranger where like there was the vocals were paired with stranger producers and they were like fewer features and, you know, the album was shorter than have it be the situation where, again, Moneybag Yo is on a record with DMX, <laughs> which I mean, like, I, and I love like I love Moneybag Yo. I love Moneybag Yo. I love his music, but I'm not really trying to hear him on a record with DMX. I mean, it's just kind of what we were talking about before. Uh, it's just kind of like a situation where DMX is kind of having to keep time with the rope until it's his turn to jump in. And then he gets slapped on the legs a bunch of times. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. really like not, it's, it's, it's like deflating. Would you, would you think of the Wayne record? The Wayne record? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, um, dogs oh, out. dogs out, dogs out. Yeah. The, it's the, 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 the hook was just, a, it was just so annoying. <laughs> like, I, I, be, I like, I, I know we've already established that we think that the Bono song and maybe the Snoop song are the most effective. I, I thought that the Wayne record was pretty... I at least thought that that feature was... It made a lot more sense, it, right? It does. Like, the feature made a lot of sense. It was just that, like, the glue that held it together, that, that held the two together was Swiss Beats, which was the issue. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's just that Wayne is a much more credible person to bring... Like, I think you and I were talking about this earlier today before taping, but I was saying that like, look, I think Wayne, like when Wayne makes his late career stuff that whiffs, like I, I just can never, I'm just sort of like, yeah, you, you too, you're too post peak to be doing this Wayne. I know you've been through some stuff, but it's just sort of like your, I don't know. I, Wayne is chaotic, right? As a persona, and as a musician, mm -hmm. DMX was chaotic as a persona, and a musician, but there's something about, DMX's chaos that leads me to forgive a lot more stuff than I can with Wayne. Maybe it's some sort of regional bias. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know what it is. But the Wayne feature, like getting Wayne on this album with DMX, I had this thought of like, yeah, you know, Wayne is probably the one person who has been through shit in his life that is roughly analogous to like shit DMX has been through in his life. And at least on the intro before the song even starts with Wayne and DMX, right? When Wayne is doing all that ad-libbing, I got more of a sense of like, okay, there is a basis for real camaraderie here that is like entirely absent from the Jay Nas song. And frankly, well, yeah, because like Angst, even is, Angst is a jacket that still fits Wayne. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. There's, there's just no, like there's, there's no unpredictability left in Jay-Z or Nas. Yeah, um, I think the Nas verse is good. Is the I mean thing. the Nas? Yeah, the Nas verse was good. J verse is bad. J versus get out of here. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna stop. Talking yeah, about the that. Nas verse was good. I'm I'm just saying that in the like. I mean, yeah, it's like it's the the, the Kendrick spirits thing that you were talking about before. They're both like crazy in the same way. Yeah, it, and and the, yeah, it's just that irony though. Of, 
of all the people, apart from the revivalist stuff, right? Like of all the artists to to feature on this album, DMX and Wayne have the least sort of like they have so many degrees of Kevin Bacon separating them, right? <laughs> compared to like the locks, right? It was just like, oh yeah, these people were all Rough Riders, right? Or compared to Jay-Z, right? Like DMX and Jay did a bunch of shit together. They did the tour together, right? Yeah. Hard Knock Life tour, right? Um, and yet Wayne is the one randomly, like Lil Wayne is the person who comes on and is one of the feature, one of the rare features on this album that feels like it makes sense is Wayne of all people. Meanwhile, like, again, even the locks, like, I mean, like, it's also a situation where, like, Wayne is, I mean, a massive fan of, like, you know, New York rap music. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like, you know, New York uh, style. Like, there was, like, the the, the, the phase out of wearing Jabos and Reeboks into wearing vape and et cetera, which, you know, was a sort of cross-pollination thing. Like, he's a fan of, like, New York rap music. He's made songs with the locks. Like, so, I mean, I think that it also like in this sort of situation where you're piecing together things after the fact or, you know, retouching things after the fact that the very least, like it takes like fans to come in and make things work rather than like colleagues that are wishing somebody well and being like, here, take this verse. Especially when one of them colleagues is Jay-Z, who's going to come in and start rapping about cb2 catalog or whatever he was talking about um it's it's tough one of the things we talked about um in our episode before when dmx is in the hospital before he passed away um you know one thing i i just remember getting fixated on toward the end of our conversation was that dmx more than someone like kanye to me more than someone like 50 more than someone like Jay. Like, take all the others, you know, take all the superstars from that period, right? More than someone like Ja. DMX, the the way he, not to be cliche about it, but like wrestled with his demons, right? And and was was like he that that sort of moral arc. He didn't just have a career arc, he had a moral arc, right? Mm-hmm. And there was this sense of a great internal struggle, right? The guy was like St. Augustine of rap music, right? DMX, okay? And that, to me, feels super influential on a lot of the post-SoundCloud stuff in a way that, like, no, it's not a one-to-one comparison. Like, yes, we get that Southerners and not New Yorkers, right? Not the dudes from Yonkers, but Southerners and their styles, like, have obviously technically sort of driven a lot of the musical direction of rap music in the past 15 years or whatever. But to me, those elements, there are just so many specific raw elements that were very much not things he had in common with the other superstars of his day, where I'm just like, yo, DMX was the example for a lot of people, right? Like, the way you talk about Wayne being a fan, Mm -hmm. right? And you can look at someone like Gucci too. Like you can look at these people who are like those demons, right? Like and and making music and having a public persona where you sort of wear that shit on your sleeve is like acceptable and encouraged, and in fact becomes a large point of your music and your celebrity. All of that you could trace to someone like DMX. You could trace it to other people too. You could talk about Scarface. You could talk about like a lot of people who 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 can claim responsibility for different elements of that, but so much of that is DMX. And so to me, if I'm going to listen to 
DMX's last album, I kind of wanted to do justice to that observation, right? That it's not like DMX is not some, he's not a backpacker. Like the point of DMX is not to be like, yo, these kids don't, you know, these kids today with yeah, their yeah, SoundCloud yeah. There's, there's definitely like, that kind of like something, uh, it's like there's, it's just incongruous to have <laughs> a bunch of well adjusted people, you know, like. <laughs> That's totally it, though, right? It's that, it's that too many people on this album are well adjusted. Too many people on this album, too many people on this album, like had their retirement plans together. Yeah, is, that's it. Thank you for putting it like that because that's exactly it. Like all the features, all of the direction of this album is just like it feels like it misapprehends the best stuff about DMX. And so when you have, I mean, I don't want to shade Bono because, like, damn, you know, it's better than I thought it would be. So I'll shade Alicia Keys and Jay-Z instead. But it's just like <laughs> knowing the most important stuff, the stuff that like it's DMX's last al- album. What do you want to preserve about him? What is the stuff that you want to you want to pour into a piece of music to say, this is what was important about this guy? You know, and, and not just important about this guy, but here's how like that importance has has bared itself to later generations, right? And your answer to that is Jay-Z rapping about, like, bougie shit. Yeah. Like, what you mean is that the album doesn't feel like the document that it's supposed to be. Yeah, it has no insight on DMX. The the album has no insight on DMX, despite being produced by Swiss Beats, who is the, like, albatross of DMX's career (laughs) after a point, (laughs) to me personally, speaking for myself. Um... (laughs) Me personally, me myself personally. Yeah, it just this so much of this album feels like it is ap- actively obscuring DMX is what I find frustrating about it. To no fault of DMX's. And if anything, again, it's just like uh I'm gonna indulge a listener who emailed us about Les Miserables the other day. Uh, you know, this is like the last 200 pages of Les Miserables, right? Where it's just like I, I'm looking at Jean Valjean and I'm watching the light. I'm watching the last traces of light in his eyes, right? Like, he's given it his all. I do not blame DMX for anything, but it's just there's something about the direction of this. Again, I'm going to blame Swiss Beats, where it's just like, this this document is the wrong document. This document feels like it does not have insight into what made DMX the kind of person who dies and we send a fleet of monster trucks down to Barclays for his memorial service. Like this is not that album. This, you know what I mean. This album feels like yeah, it was made for yeah, a totally does, different person. It it does feel like an album that was made to have a later performance with a string section at Carnegie Hall. Like yeah. there's, uh, I mean, like there's just there's simultaneously too much and not enough sheen on it. I don't know, man. I think that's all I got. I mean, I don't. I, I miss DMX. That's all I can say in the end of this. Like, you know what I mean? I like the locks. I thought the verses were good. I just, you know, they buried. But it's like you, DMX on his own album. He's no longer with us, and he doesn't even appear until like four minutes into a five-minute song. That's track one, and then he gets shelled for another three minutes so we can listen to Jay Z rap about. Lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, man. like, yeah, talk talk about you know stuff we're too too broke to even remember. You know. Yeah. You know, we can we can leave it there. We could tie it in a bow there. I just knew we had to. I listened to this album. I was riding around in the car. You know, I didn't just listen to this on headphones. I was riding around in the whip. I was trying, you know, it's and it's that feeling too in the car where it's just like it's I'm, not a, like it's not, it's not a loud good enough. album for the it's not a good album yeah. for the whip, which it's is like the worst thing you can say about a DMX album, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. It's sort of like, can you explain the thing you said? You said something I thought was super profound. You made a comparison. Oh right, uh, about are you talking about the 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 way that DMX's vocals are pitched down? Yeah, or like yeah. The, the disappointment of it. Yeah, it was like listening to this record in the car in particular and having DMX come in last on uh on on Hood Blues and then like having it like the the, the the deflation was like that that I felt when I was like watching Archer season I want to say it was like season eight or whatever and like Mallory was talking and Jessica Walter's voice was like noticeably softer like yeah and they were allowed, like, there's a there's a whole lot of blog posts about it, like, what's the deal? And obviously the question, I mean, the answer to that was something health related. But yeah, I mean, like, it was, it felt like that to me. I was similarly disappointed. Yeah. And it's like, it's the worst thing you could say about a DMX album of all albums, right? You say that his voice isn't coming through clear. It feels like it's been made softer than everyone else's voice on the album. That's not what you want from DMX. DMX, you want to feel like your speaker system is doing that awful rattle it does when it can't handle the sound anymore because yeah, the volume like is too the, high. That's the, what you, you want, want DMX's voice to do. You want non-dynamat Alpine voice from, yeah. from DMX. Yeah. Um, yeah. This album just really rubbed in my face that we don't have them anymore. Uh... Yeah, I, I got it all off my chest. I knew we had to talk about it. I had thoughts about it. I needed to process it with someone. I'm glad we talked about it together. Listeners, please feel free to email us your thoughts about DMX, about the posthumous album, about Swiss Beats in particular, please. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. That's all we I got. mean, that, that, that's it. That's all we got for y'all. I mean, like, you know. This is, but do email us though. Um, Tweet about the show. I'm going to get around to getting on Twitch eventually. I am on TikTok. I have two social media. I will say this. This is like a huge problem. You right? have it's, the weirdest social, yeah. like you have Twitch and TikTok. Like, Twitch, TikTok, and Reddit. Uh, I'm on Reddit. Um, <laughs> this is the thing, because like early in the pod, like when we were, when we were relaunching, right? I feel like so much stuff is like, okay, we got to engage like our potential listeners. We got to get people listening to this show. I was just like, Micah, tweet this. Because <laughs> I don't have a Twitter. Yeah, like, like, it was <laughs> just, you was just, no, 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 no. You wouldn't even say, Micah, tweet this. You'd be like, you'd just be like, Micah, tell Twitter. Like, as if oh, like true, Twitter man. was like one, yeah. like one sentient mass, you know? I mean, it kind of is. And I mean, like, don't even make no <laughs> jokes about that because you know it's not. Like, I mean, it's like, you know nah, it's ridiculous it to be like, we tell Twitter. Okay. It kind of is. Tell your little friend. Tell your little friend. Tell your little friend. Just listeners, be mindful. I don't have a Twitter account, so you got to tweet for me. Tell people about the show. Uh, email us, soundonlypod at gmail.com. We will be ne back next week. Email us with stuff you want us to talk about, obviously. 
Uh, oh man, that's when I gotta play a Final Fantasy VII expansion next week. Anyway, lots of things. Email us. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Erica Cervantes. We'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.